I took a classical music course in college. It was one of those required classes that I waited to the last minute to take. And I had to attend a symphony. I'd never done that before. And so near the end of the semester, I went to the theater and it was a Friday night. I showed my student ID and I purchased a $1 ticket in the balcony cheap seats. But when I got to the section, the usher told me that my seat was actually on the ground floor, which I was confused. So I I, I go down to the ground floor level. I show my ticket to another usher. He examines it closely, gives me a puzzling look and says, you must really love Beethoven, kid. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And then he proceeds to my astonishment to walk me down the center aisle all the way to the front of the theater where my seat was located on the very first row. It was a full house that night. The orchestra was doing Beethoven's Ninth. And here I was, scraggly hair college student, surrounded by men dressed in tuxes, women got their pearls on. I've got jeans and a t-shirt on. And I'm sitting in a seat that I didn't deserve to sit in. And I'm about to witness an incredible performance of a piece of music, a piece of joyful music that's some of the greatest music ever written by man. Let me ask you, has anything like that ever happened to you where you're allowed to see something, you're allowed to experience something, to hear something that was just an absolute blessing, something that you didn't plan for, something that you didn't earn, something that you didn't deserve? Has that ever been your experience where you, 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 in the moment, you're sitting there thinking, I do not deserve this. Something that happens and upon recollection, it just fills you with joy. This morning in our passage in the gospel, according to Luke, Luke reveals to us an astounding blessing, uh, an unsurpassed privilege that disciples of Jesus enjoy. It's an incredible benefit that you could never earn and one that you could never repay. Now, let me ask you this question. This is the question Luke answers for us. What benefit, what privilege, what advantage do followers of Jesus enjoy that is so great that is so wonderful, that is so astounding, that it even causes the blessed Son of God himself to rejoice and to call you blessed? Well, for the answer to that question, open your Bible. I want you to open your Bibles as we continue our study in Luke's gospel to Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10. And we're going to look at two verses this morning. Before we go to the Lord's Supper, at the end of our time, we're going to look at these two verses, Luke chapter 10, verses 23 and 24. Uh, If someone's using the Pew Bible, what page is it on? 868? Is that it? 868. Okay. If you're not used to reading the Bible, open it up to 868. The verse numbers are those little sentence numbers. We're just looking at big number 10, little number 23, 24. I'm going to start reading in verse 21 
just to remind us of the context. The disciples have returned from the the mission trip of the 72 and Jesus responds with joy. So let's listen now to God's word. In that same hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father or who the Father is except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then, turning to the disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. So as we prepare, excuse me, to go to the Lord's Supper together, my prayer is that each one of us would stand amazed that the Spirit of God has opened our eyes to see the Son of God in the Word of God, all for the glory of God. So this morning, I just want to point out one, one main truth in this passage. And I want you to consider with me the surpassing privilege of the saints. The surpassing privilege of the saints. When I say saints, I'm using saints the way the New Testament uses that word to refer to Christians, those who are trusting in Jesus Christ, disciples of Jesus Christ. Verses 23 and verses 24 are all about the surpassing privilege, the surpassing blessing, the surpassing benefit that the saints have, that Christians have. And Jesus is gonna unpack that for us. And my goal in all this is that we would stand amazed. You you will find a connection between your amazement at this privilege and the joy that flows from it. Jesus has just rejoiced upon the return of the 72. He rejoices in the Holy Spirit. And then he joyfully pronounces a blessing over his disciples. So you can see that in verses 23 and 24. So let's look at it a little bit more carefully. Look at verse 23. Jesus's joy overflows and then he pronounces a blessing in verse 23 on the disciples. You see that? Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. So according to Jesus, this is not rocket science, but according to Jesus, these disciples are blessed. And I think we can agree with him that they're blessed. How are they blessed? Well, they've seen something. They've seen something that causes Jesus to rejoice. It causes Jesus to say, you 12 are blessed. You're blessed by God. You've seen something that is an incredible blessing from God. Jesus declares that the disciples are blessed because they've been, as it were, eyewitnesses of his majesty. 
They've had a front row seat during his public ministry. These 12 men are blessed because they've had a front row seat to behold the glory of Christ. They've seen things that no one else in the history of the world had ever seen. They've seen with their own eyes his miracles, his healings, his exorcisms, everything we've been thinking about in the Gospel of Luke for 10 chapters. They spent three years with a front row seat to see with their own eyes the glory of Christ. They, they saw Jesus walk and talk. They ate with him. They spent time with him. They heard all of his amazing teaching. Imagine spending three years on the earth with the Son of God incarnate. They're blessed. One of the apostles later wrote these words. John, you know these words. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we what? We have seen his glory. John says we saw his glory. He dwelt among us. We saw it full of grace and truth. Later, this is what John wrote later in 1 John 1. Listen to this. He begins the letter like this. That which was from the beginning, we, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. You see, John's describing the privilege, the benefit of the apostles. So we could all say, okay, this is pretty straightforward. Why do you keep saying this? Well, I want you to look again at the words of verse 23. Because it's not simply that those 12 men alone are blessed. Look at what Jesus says. Verse 23, blessed, he doesn't say are your eyes. He says, blessed are the eyes, as it were, that see the things that you see. You see that? So Jesus is not only pronouncing a blessing on the disciples, but he's pronouncing a blessing on those who see what the disciples saw. He's pronouncing a blessing upon all those who see, as it were, through the apostles, through their own eyes, what they saw, who hear what the disciples heard, who believe what the disciples, the apostles believed. So Christ's blessing, his joyful blessing is not only on these 12 men, it's on those who see, hear and believe through the apostolic witness. And that witness, of course, is revealed in the Holy Spirit inspired apostolic New Testament. So think of the New Testament. It's like the holy spectacles of the Holy Spirit, right? That you can see the very things that the apostles saw, heard and believed. In other words, This blessing, brothers and sisters, isn't just a joyful blessing that was for the apostles only. This is Jesus pronouncing a blessing upon those who believe what the apostles wrote. That is Christians. That's you. So if you believe in Christ, the same Christ that the apostles believed in, Jesus is pronouncing this joyful blessing upon you. And he's going to explain what he means. Look at verse 24. So don't look at me. Look at your Bibles. See that little word for? He's giving you a reason. Why are you blessed? Well, here's why. 
Verse 24, for I tell you, many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and didn't see it and to hear what you hear and didn't hear it. Let me summarize. Jesus is saying this. Here's the reason you're blessed. You see and hear the fulfillment of God's promises, God's ancient promises, the promises that many prophets, that many kings in the Old Testament looked forward to and longed to see, longed to hear, longed to be fulfilled. They looked forward by faith to the coming Messiah, to the coming of his kingdom, but they only saw it from a distance. But you're actually living in the time and the days of fulfillment. So I want you to think about this for a minute. Imagine what Jeremiah would have given to see the righteous branch of David in the flesh. Imagine what Micah would have given to have witnessed the baby he prophesied about born in Bethlehem, Micah 5.2. Imagine what King David would have given to behold the Davidic son who was also his Lord, Psalm 110. Or imagine Isaiah, what would he have given to see the fulfillment of the virgin conceiving the Messiah and the suffering servant who is pierced for our transgressions and buried in a rich man's tomb, Isaiah 53. Imagine what Job would have given to see his redeemer stand on the earth. The writer of Hebrews puts it like this, speaking of all these Old Testament saints, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar. And what Jesus is saying is that they saw those things from a distance, but those who were my followers, who are living in the days of fulfillment, you have a front row seat. It's like you're at the symphony. They were up in the balcony. They were in, they were in the room, but you've got a front row seat. All the Old Testament scriptures, the law and the prophets prophesied and pointed forward to the coming of Messiah and the hope of his kingdom coming. Malachi, in his book, he talks about the coming of Messiah like the rising of the sun of righteousness. And what Jesus is saying is that you're living in the day that the sun is dawned. You're living in that day that that Malachi longed to see. Paul puts it like this. He says, talking about the mystery of Christ. Listen, this is Ephesians 3, 5. He says, Christ, the mystery of Christ, listen to this, was not made known to the sons of men in other generations. Listen to this phrase. As it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Paul is not saying that the people in the Old Testament were ignorant of the gospel. What he's saying is that compared to what has been revealed now, 
He says this mystery has been fully and finally unveiled in all of its glory with the coming of Christ into the world and the ministry of the apostles. So at the end of Luke's gospel, remember after the resurrection, Jesus is on the road to Emmaus with two of his disciples. And we read about Jesus. If if you've ever been to a Bible study that was pretty good, it doesn't doesn't get close to this Bible study. Jesus takes these these two disciples and we're told that he goes through the law and the prophets teaching them everything concerning himself in the Holy Scriptures. You see, this is what J.C. Ryle, we always have to have a good uh, quote from my favorite Anglican, Bishop Ryle. This is what he says. Listen, it says this, quote, the Old Testament saints looked forward by faith to a coming Savior, and they believed in a resurrection and a life to come. But the coming and the death of Christ And his resurrection unlocked a hundred scriptures, which was closed before. Christian, listen, you're thinking, okay, what's the point? Here's the point. When you open your Bible, when you open your Bible, every time you open it, you ought to be astounded because you're holding a miracle in your hands. You're holding in your hands an unsurpassed blessing. This book, this book that you're holding, it's a reminder that you're living in the last days. Christ has come. He has lived. He has died. He has risen from the dead. He's ascended on high. He's poured out his spirit. The church is growing. He's given us his word. And you're living in these times of fulfillment. That's what Jesus is getting at here. The fullness of the gospel has been revealed. The things that you know were things that kings and prophets in the Old Testament long to see, long to know about, but they didn't hear it in all of its fullness. Every time you open the scriptures, you ought to be utterly amazed that you have this surpassing privilege of joy that you didn't do anything to earn, that you didn't do anything to deserve. It's a blessing from God. That's why Jesus says, you're blessed. To experience this, to know this, you are blessed. When you open your Bible, you're holding a miracle of grace in your hands because you have the final authoritative Word from the living God that is inspired by God, all of it, and it's able to teach you and correct you and rebuke you and train you in righteousness that you could be fully equipped for every single good work that he calls you to. Listen to this. In my own heart, this is how ingratitude often shows itself. Ingratitude shows up in my heart and it comes out of my mouth when I fixate on the blessings that I don't have. I don't know about you. I tend to complain and murmur when I don't have the things that I think I should have. I start to focus on what I don't have, and that leads to ingratitude. But Jesus, in this passage, focuses not on a blessing that you don't have, 
He focuses your attention on this unsurpassing blessing that you do have because he wants to stir up in your heart joy. Unamazing joy that you're living in these days. So I'm looking at a group of folks that don't look very excited, frankly, right? Now you look fine. But what I want to do before we go to the Lord's Supper, here's the thing. I know my own heart. I don't know about you. I, I, you, may, you may not have woken up this morning, got out of bed, and you're just like, I'm so excited about being a Christian. That may not be you right now. But I want to get you there, okay? So what I want to do is I want to spend the rest of our time helping uh, from the Scriptures to understand and pack uh, and, under, and really grasp the blessing that Jesus is pronouncing before we go to the Lord's Supper together, okay? So what I want to do is I want, I, I have a, I'm going to tell you right now, I want to stir up joy in your hearts because that's what Jesus is doing. And I want to do this by implication as we're by, 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 by giving you some illustrations that I think will help you appreciate what Jesus is saying. Now, kids, uh, some of you kids have Bibles and you may not have heard about what cross references are. So I'm going to explain what cross references are. If you look in your Bible, those little numbers in the middle of your Bible are called cross references. And I want you to think about a cross reference is like a road sign. You're driving down the road with your mom or dad and you see a sign and it says this is the road. This is how you get there. Well, cross references in the Bible are road signs that lead you to glory. <laughs> That's what they are. They're cross references that point you to other passages of Scripture that help illuminate and explain and apply the passage that you're studying. So if you don't, it, maybe you're like, I'm a lifelong ignorer of cross references. You need to repent, okay? You need to repent this morning. Repent of your sin because cross references are glorious. And I just want to show you one cross reference this morning that will help you apply, understand, and believe the blessing that Jesus is talking about here. So if you look in your Bible, you'll notice in Luke, at least in my Bible, ESV, Luke 20, 10, 24, it has a couple cross references. And one of the cross references is the scripture we read earlier in our service. First Peter chapter one, verses 10 to 12. Okay, so the, take your Bible, flip over to First Peter chapter one, verses 10 to 12. Or if you, if you don't have a Bible, you can just look at the, the bulletin because that's where it's located as well. First Peter chapter one, verses 10 to 12. Because I think this passage helps us to do the very thing that Jesus is describing here. Okay, First Peter chapter one, verses 10 to 12. Okay, I want you to be absolutely stunned this morning that you have a front row seat at the symphony. Even if you don't like the symphony. It's the symphony of the scriptures. So I want you to be amazed that you get to hear these words. Okay, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. I'm gonna start reading. Peter says, concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glory. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you 
in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels longed to look. So first illustration is this. First illustration is this. Peter is talking about the same thing Jesus is talking about, those Old Testament prophets who were longing for the coming of Messiah. And you'll see there, right there in verse 11, they were longing for these answers to the questions of the who and the what and the when. They knew Messiah was coming. They knew he was going to suffer and then go into glory, but they wanted the details. They wanted the who, the what, and the when. But it wasn't revealed to them. It was, all those details weren't revealed to them exactly. But here's the amazing thing. Look at verse 12. God revealed this to the Old Testament prophets. They were serving you. Do you see that? They weren't serving themselves. They were serving, verse 12 says, you. All of these prophecies, all of these promises... All of these Old Testament scriptures that pointed to the coming of Christ, they wrote them all inspired by the Holy Spirit for you. Moses and Elijah and Daniel and Isaiah and Jeremiah and Solomon. All of these prophets are your servants in Christ. They wrote in order to serve you. That's what Peter's saying. We think of those guys as being on the front row. They're up in the balcony. That seat on the front row is intended for you. They wrote to serve you, to help you see and know and rejoice in Messiah. Do you see the privilege the prophets prophesied? Listen, about the grace that was to be yours. Jesus rejoices over you because of the privilege you have of being lavished with his grace. It's amazing. The privilege you have of living in these last days is astounding. We don't live in BC anymore. We live in AD in the year of our Lord. You're living in the times of fulfillment. This is an astounding privilege. The prophets longed to see the fulfillment of all these things, but it wasn't for their time. It was for our time. Stand amazed. Listen to this. Blessed are your eyes, Christian, and your ears, because as Hebrews says, Long ago, and in many times and in many ways, God spoke to the fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. By his son. The son who's appointed as the heir of all things and through whom he also made the world, the son who's the radiance of his father's glory, the son who's the exact representation of his father's nature, the son who upholds all things by the word of his power, 
The son who, after making purification for sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty of the throne on high. Do you see what the writer of Hebrews is saying? God spoke in many ways through the prophets in the last days. But in these last days, he has revealed himself fully and finally and forever in his son. And that's that's for you. If you're not a follower of Jesus this morning, this reminder, this, this blessing is for Christians. But, but there's a blessing that's not explicitly mentioned in the passage, but there's a blessing that you're actually a, a, a benefit of this morning. You have the amazing, the staggering blessing of coming into the sound of this gospel. There are millions and millions of people on this earth who have never heard the good news of Jesus. And in God's kindness, he's brought you here. Maybe you've heard the gospel before. Maybe you've never heard it before. But the the good news, the reason we exist as a church is to share the good news that while we are broken sinners, while we have fallen short of what our maker has called us to be and do, in his love and mercy, in spite of our sin. He has sent his only son into the world to be the savior of sinners. The savior of sinners came into the world, the son of God. He took on our flesh and dwelt among us. He was obedient in the ways that we've been failures. He was fully obedient even to the point of death, even death on a cross. He took the penalty for sinners on himself. He bore the judgment in our place. And to fulfill all that the prophets have written, he died and rose again for our justification on the third day. And now Jesus, who has ascended on high, offers life and mercy and salvation to anyone who would ever turn and trust in him. Friend, one of the greatest apologetics for the reality of the Christian faith is to see that in Jesus Christ, the promises and the prophecies made thousands of years before he came, were perfectly fulfilled in him. If you have questions about that, I'll be standing at the back door afterwards. I would love to talk with you about what it means to receive Jesus Christ, not by church attendance or by doing good works or any of those things, but by receiving him in the empty hands of faith. Friend, if you're a follower of Jesus, let me just close with one more illustration and then we're done and we'll go to the supper together. Look again at verse 12, the very last phrase. These things that Peter's marveling over and that Jesus is pronouncing a blessing concerning, these things related to the gospel. Do you see there? He says, these are things, the good news preached to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. And then look at that last phrase, things into which angels long to look. The word that Peter uses there, it's, it's, just, it's a word to describe that the angels, they earnestly desire to look into, to catch a glimpse of the things of the gospel. So think of uh, angels aren't, they don't have bodies, but they're spirits. But imagine an angel like standing on tiptoe. They're, they're, they're trying to peek into the things related to the gospel. They earnestly long to see these things. 
Angels don't experience redemption. They don't experience redemption. They, they don't experience forgiveness of sins, but they are eager to, to study these things, to, to look into them. The things that have been revealed to you these last days, they're, 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 they're longing to look into them. Now, kids, I want you to think about um, something that may not be helpful to think about right now, but I want you to think about Krispy Kreme donuts for a second. I, I, I imagine many of you have eaten Krispy Kremes. If you haven't, talk to mom and dad about that. Um, but you know, over where Larry and Jill live, there's a Krispy Kreme right there at their house. Well, when we lived in Raleigh, when our kids were tiny, we would drive downtown to downtown Raleigh and go through the drive through and uh, get some donuts. But sometimes we would go inside and our kids would be in their pajamas and they would go up and they were tiny and they would stand on this metal railing with the glass, you know, and they would peek over the railing and look at the delicious, beautiful fried dough, right? Just coming out of that machine, down the conveyor belt, all that healthy icing that was you know, getting put on it, right? And they would just, with intense interest and longing, looking through the glass at those donuts. Now imagine going there and seeing all those things and being like, we're not getting any, let's go home, right? That would be torture, right? That would be awful. But I want you to think about this. You would, you would not go down to Krispy Kreme to stare at those things if you weren't going to be able to enjoy them. But friend, think about this. Angels are staring at the gospel. They're staring at the amazing fulfillment of all of God's purposes and plans in Christ. And they don't experience it. But they're eager to study it and to be amazed by it. They don't experience salvation. They're sent out to serve those who inherit salvation. But when they hear of one sinner repenting, we're told in Luke 15, all of heaven rejoices. They're, they're, they're filled with joy when they hear that a sinner has come to Christ. Luke 15, Jesus says, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God. Joy when one sinner repents. They don't experience it, but they are filled with joy. But sister, do you, do you see that this, this gospel message, it's like this beautiful diamond that angels, they stare at it, they marvel at it, they're filled with joy over it. And Jesus wants you to appreciate, not only has he revealed the gospel to you in all of its fullness, the things that the prophets long to see and hear. But you yourself, if you are trusting in the grace of Christ, have experienced it. Jesus earlier in our passage, remember, he rejoiced in God's sovereign plan of salvation. And here in this passage, he's rejoicing in the surpassing privilege of knowing and experiencing that salvation. Listen, brothers and sisters, we ought to be amazed at this staggering privilege that we have a front row seat to see and witness the glory of Christ. This isn't the only time Jesus blessed his disciples. Before I close, I just want to draw attention to one more thing. 
The last time Jesus blessed his disciples was after he rose again from the dead. These are the last words in the gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 24. Jesus says, we're told this, and Jesus led the disciples out as far as Bethany and lifting up his hands, just like the high priest, he blessed them. And while he blessed them, he departed from them and was carried up into heaven and notice their response. What was the response to Christ's blessing? And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. Christian, this morning, the application is stand amazed. (laughs) Stand amazed that God in his mercy has blessed you in Christ. There may be 10,000 blessings you came here longing for but none is greater than this one. Christians, stand amazed at your surpassing privilege in Christ. Stand amazed that your name is written in heaven. Stand amazed that God the Son has chosen to reveal the Father to you. Stand amazed that you get to faithfully represent King Jesus in the world. Stand amazed that you're living in the last days. Stand amazed that you have been graciously given God's word in a language that you can understand and read for yourselves. Stand amazed that the spirit of Christ has opened the eyes of your hearts to the glory of Christ in his word. Stand amazed that though you have not seen Jesus, You love him. And even though you don't see him now, you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy because you're receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Would you pray with me? Our gracious God and heavenly father, we thank you and praise you for the blessing of knowing you and the blessing of representing you. And Lord, we pray, we pray this day that you would grow us deeper into the joys of the gospel. Lord, we won't read your word unless we're amazed astounded that you've given us a word and we won't tell anyone about a gospel that we ourselves aren't amazed by. If we don't think it's good news, we won't share it. So father, in all of these things, deal with our hearts. And as we draw near to the supper, remind us tangibly what you have done for us in Christ. Father, we ask this in Jesus name. Amen.